0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Friday, June tenth, two thousand twenty two. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. Want to give a big shout-out to my dad, who I know will be listening to this podcast tomorrow morning. It is his birthday today, so happy birthday to you, Dad. Um We've got a lot to get into. I'm um, getting back into the swing of things. This is now two episodes in a row. Let me just plug in my iPad here while I'm at it. Just, I got 75%, but why not? I've got the charger here. Let's charge it up while we go. Okay, because I've got the show notes on the iPad as always. All right. Um. Yeah, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, some baseball. We had a couple of managers fired um, I told you about one at the tail end of last week's episode, I believe. There's another one from this week. We've got, of course, the NBA Finals action to get to. Um, some intense soccer matches, some qualifiers for the World Cup, some playoff matches there with uh, Wales and the UK. Softball, um, College World Series, baseball is going on right now. It's games going on all day. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Um, I'm probably missing some stuff. Oh, yes. We had a couple of French Open finals over the weekend, which I was uh, 50-50 on. I was right on one, wrong on another. Uh, What else did we have? Like I said, the NBA, and not just in regards to the NBA finals. We had a coach resign, basically, or decide not to come back. Um, The Yankees are just killing it still on fire. Their pitching was ridiculous over the past week or so, minus last night. I'll get to that um, at the tail end of the show, hopefully, if I remember. And of course, we've got to talk about Live Golf. So there's a lot to get to. Um, There's a couple new guys that have just signed on to Live Golf. It is controversial. This whole thing is blowing up, and I'm loving every second of it because it makes for great entertainment. And I'll give you my opinion on Live Golf, whether I think these guys are sport washing or if it's, you know, they're being sellouts, you name it. Um, we'll get to that and some NFL stuff with uh, the Deshaun Watson uh, civil suits that are going on. We found out a little bit more information on that whole saga. It's just more and more disturbing each, each day when new stuff comes out. It, it, ridiculous. But... Without further ado, let's jump right in. Okay, we're going to start at the top with the Phillies. I spoke about it last, on last week's episode. I think it was right at the end of the episode when it had come out. But yes, the Phillies have fired Joe Girardi. And guess what? Since they fired him, all they've done is win. They did win Girardi's last game, so altogether now, that is seven straight wins. Six of them for interim manager Rob Thompson, who the Yankees know very well for his time as bench coach with the team. He becomes the first manager to win his first six games since Felipe Alou won his first seven for the Giants in 2003. That Giants team just so happens they finished thirty nine games above five hundred. So hey, here's the hoping Phil's nation uh at current standings, let's just jump in and check the current standings because they were um they have not been able nobody's really been able to catch the the Mets atop that division, but let's just jump in real quick and check the standings, okay so Philly's currently sitting in third place. They are one game under 500 now after rattling off seven straight. And they find themselves nine games back. And if you want to look at the wildcard standings, they're going to be even closer. They are in the wildcard. They're just two and a half games back. San Diego and St. Louis are leading the way there with San Francisco and Atlanta right there and then you have the phillies just two and a half back so they have basically retooled reset and hey who knows maybe they go on a run i don't know if it, changing managers isn't going to really help that bullpen or help that defense that has been so abysmal so far this season but you know you never know you you do see this thing though after a managers fired if players didn't like him or what have you they go on a little bit of a run i expect them to come back down to earth Fairly shortly or fairly quickly, but we'll see. You never know. The Mets could blow it like they usually do. Atlanta's not the same team they were. Uh, there's some wiggle room there, so should should be interesting to see what happens there. All right, let's get to that tennis that I was talking about. It is a good thing I didn't wake up in time to bet Coco Golf on Saturday morning, of let's face it, I'm not waking up at 9, 9 a.m. on Saturday, softball's over, I don't have to go to that, so I'm sleeping in, and thankfully I did, because Iga Swiatek, she mowed Coco Gauff down in straight sets at the French Open final. She has now won 35 straight matches, which ties, I believe, the longest streak ever, uh, I, I saw a video of um, a British guy uh, interviewing her and he said it was Venus Williams and then she responded by saying Serena. So I don't know if that was a Freudian slip and she said that it was Serena and he said Venus. So I don't know. Either way, one of the Williams sisters holds this record. She's now tied. If she wins her next match, she will have won 35 or 36 straight to break the record. And yeah, she just turned 21 during the French Open. It's just ridiculous how good this woman is. If you don't know her, get used to it. Learn the name because she is going to be here for a while. Okay, on the men's side, Sunday morning, we had Rafael Nadal. Of course, what do you know? He won in straight sets, defeating 23-year-old Casper Rudd. I think Nadal was like minus 5000, something ridiculous. So I said I was going to bet him, but I ended up not doing it. I was actually thinking last minute of parlaying Nadal with the Warriors wouldn't have hit. Um no, actually that would yeah, that no, that one would have hit cuz Warriors won game 2. I believe that was around game 2. Yeah. So that would have hit, but it was only like I don't even think it was plus money at that point and it was like Warriors minus 4. Or or something to that effect. So either way, I ended up not betting Nadal, but just some of these numbers are ridiculous. 14 trips to the French Open Finals. And guess what? He's won all 14 undefeated on clay. It, it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um Nadal is now 112 and three overall at the French Open. And his uh this was his 22nd major title, the most ever for a men's tennis player. But by comparison, he has nothing on Serena. She has 23. And he did say he's not sure if this is his final um, trip to Roland Garros. He's going to see how his body holds up, and he's going to fight and, and and try. He's like 37 now, and try to get back there next year. I also saw a crazy stat. I don't know. I don't think it was—maybe it was Pete Sampras, whoever it was. At the time that they had retired, they had won 14 uh, majors, and— that at the time of that person's retirement was the most ever. Nadal has won 14 French Opens alone. So it's just a ridiculous feat what he has been able to do on clay. Um, it might be one of the greatest feats ever. Uh, somebody so dominant in, in one specific area or on one specific surface in, in, I've ever seen or in the history of sports. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, so let's switch gears, talk a little nBA. um, not a not too surprising, but a little shocking, I will say. I, you know, paused for I paused when I saw this. I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, jazz coach Quinn Snyder will not return next season. He has been a force to be reckoned with in the western Conference. he He has completely turned around this franchise, turned Utah into a perennial playoff contender. They really, hit their stride. What was it last year? Um, I think last year when they got, I think they got the one seed last year. They were upset by Phoenix. That's when Phoenix made that run. But it's just unbelievable that what he was able to do. Unfortunately, it was all regular season and they never were able to put it together in the playoffs. They had a good core. Uh, A report did come out back in April that he wasn't sure if suggesting he wasn't sure if he was going to come back or not um this has already started to have some ripple effects donovan mitchell is quote unquote unnerved by the departure listen there's been rumors of donovan mitchell going to the new york knicks for a while not his rumors these are just fan rumors his dad works for the mets yada 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 um there's a rift. There's an internal rift, clearly, between him and Rudy Gobert. It all started when, basically, Rudy Gobert is the is the sole reason that COVID happened in the United States. He wasn't taking anything seriously. He, like, coughed on the microphone, then he gave it to Donovan Mitchell. The NBA then shut down a few days later. Blah, 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 blah. The bubble ensued, and the Lakers won a Fugazi championship in said buzz- bubble. But anyway, these two... Don't seem to get along. And you have two superstars, if you will. Maybe people want to err on the side of caution. Gobert, he's a great defender, great rebounder. Hasn't been able to score all that much of late. But it's one of those situations where it could be uh, him or me. And it could be one of those where Mitchell demands a huge contract or he says, trade me. And we'll see who wins out. But... Right now, um, they're conducting, they're f- going to be conducting their first round of Zoom interviews soon, and we'll see who ends up uh, becoming the next head coach of the Utah Jazz, and, and we'll go from there and see what decisions they make, but it's going to be an interesting offseason for that franchise for sure. All right, back to baseball. All hail the Halos. Yes, the Los Angeles Angels. They did it. What am I talking about? Well, they had been on a 14-game losing streak up until Wednesday. So since May 24th, they had lost 14 straight games. Oh, my God. It got so bad that Tuesday, Angels manager Joe Madden was fired. Mike Trout was hurt in that same game. Uh, a quad injury, running out uh, an at bat. Then on Wednesday, they even tried using Nickelback songs. The entire starting nine tried using Nickelback songs for their walk-up music. That didn't work. They lost one nothing to the Red Sox. Their second one nothing loss to the Red Sox in that series. They're back it up a few days before that on Sunday, they lost to the Phillies who scored seven runs in the last two innings to beat them. They're up six to two. They give up a grand slam, game-tying grand slam, to Bryce Harper in the eighth inning. And then Bryson Stott smacks a three-run walk-off homer in the ninth inning. This team could not catch a break. And really, losing Trout on Tuesday was just the, the worst of it. They were one game out of the AL West lead on May 24th. One game behind Houston. One game. The current standings, even including last night's win, this is shocking, ladies and gentlemen. They are now three games under five hundred. They are now nine games back of Houston. Nine games and ten in the loss column. It's brutal. Brutal. But hey, they got the win yesterday. So now they can breathe a sigh of relief and they can just get past this. They can move on. Otani was great, pitched seven solid innings and swatted a two run homer as interim manager Phil Nevin picked up his first career win. And
1: he's ready. The 2 2. He got him. It's over. It is over. Angels win. Light that halo. Back up. 5-2 is the final.
0: Yeah, so there you have it. 5-2 the final. And all Angels fans, like I said, can exhale and just try to relax now as they move on to face the New York Mets. Oh, this would be classic. That game's actually on Apple TV Plus tonight. I will be tuning in because I just have a great, great feeling that the Mets are going to crap the bed in this series and are going to lose. I don't know who's pitching for the Mets, actually, but it's a good thing I just jumped into my fantasy um, league and my team. I just checked my team because I had a bunch of players. I'm actually going to... I just picked up Connor Joe. I'm actually going to put him in for Mark Canna, even though Mark Canna has been killing it. But Mark Canna, um, I know they're playing at 938, but Mark Canna has not been ruled in the lineup or not. And Connor Joe has, so I'd rather have an entire starting lineup that I know is playing, because I've done that before where I wait on a guy, and then last minute they're a scratch, and I have someone on the bench who is playing. We're going into the weekend. I want guaranteed guys playing um, up enough in batting average that it won't matter. I need hits. I need, well, actually, really, I need strikeouts, and I need wins. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that series gets kicked off. Um, tonight on Apple TV Plus and I'm really curious to see how the Angels and Mets handle things and see how Phil Nevin does because of course he was with the Yankees as their third base coach and he went through a tough time with COVID last year and he literally almost died so I'm pulling for Phil Nevin he's a longtime baseball guy and he's a he's a good guy good dude so uh, yeah okay let's talk World Cup we know who is in Group B with the United States, Iran, and England? That team is ba 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 drum roll, please. It is Wales. I'm so sorry to the entire country of Ukraine. You made a great, great run at it. You were oh so close, but unfortunately, in the end, it was a deflected own goal on a free kick in the 33rd minute. Take a listen to how it unfolded.
1: The emblem of a nation's hopes. Here's Gareth Bale! <laughs> Lift off the Wales!
0: Ukraine, who need to pick me up because there was an
2: element of fortune about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Wales have had no greater player than Gareth Frank Bale. Just a difficult moment here for Yarmolenko because he's defending. Trying to keep a high line, but this ball's hit with pace to the back post. And he's trying to get that last minute defensive header from away from his goal.
0: Yeah, so the United States better get real familiar with this team. Gareth Bale, who you heard the announcer say there, he's the most accomplished Wales player maybe ever. And this is an impressive feat for a country that really gets overlooked by the UK, by Scotland, all those countries that are over there. I think I'm right about that geography, but it's also Wales, by the way, is pretty much like an island country of about three million, pretty small. And by comparison to these other big countries, this is their first World Cup appearance since 1958. Oh, my God. So you can't help but quietly root for them. But unfortunately, they're playing my United States or our United States, for those of you listening here in the States. Um, So, yeah, it should be fun. That's the first match. Two teams from each um, group will make it to the 16, to the round of 16. So let's see. It's probably going to be the U.S. and England, if I had to guess. But the U.S. is a shaky group, man. When it comes to soccer, this is not our usual forte. I know we've got Pulisic and these boys, these young guys, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yes, Wales um, is in. Ukraine, unfortunately, is out. So sorry, guys. Okay, finally, let's get to some golf. So over the weekend, Minji Lee won the U.S. Open. She's Australian, in case you were wondering. She shot a 71 on Sunday, finishing the tournament at 13 under par. Her score of 271 combined is the lowest 72-hole score in U.S. Women's Open history. This is not really being talked about a lot. Um, That's an amazing, amazing feat. She also received $1.8 million as part of a $10 million purse. That is the most ever in the sport. And speaking of money, 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 let's finally talk Live Golf. So the Live Golf Tour, finally, or invitational, whatever you want to call it, it finally kicked off yesterday. This has been a Obviously, hotbed of controversy and things are getting dicey. I'm trying to keep track of this whole thing too, because of course, nobody's airing it on TV. The Dazzin network, um, that is like pay-per-view. You could buy boxing. They have it. It's apparently being um live streamed on like Facebook and YouTube as well from the Live Golf page. So I might, oh actually, I can't because I'm going to play golf tomorrow. Otherwise, I'd watch it. But um, yeah, there's like teams. I don't exactly know how this worked out, but there were team names. I saw people trolling the team names the other day on social media. Um, I don't know how the teams factor into this, to be honest. But um, anyway, not too many people seem to care about the actual golf that's taking place. It's more about what's going on behind the scenes and 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 how this has sparked controversy. So as more golfers announced, they will be playing. Um, excuse me. So as more, more and more golfers have announced that they are leaving the PGA Tour to come join the Live Golf, the PGA Tour decided they were going to put their foot down. And yesterday it was announced that they were suspending 17 of the golfers that are playing. I don't know which 17 exactly. There's a lot more than 17, but they're suspending 17 of them. All right. A couple of them, including Dustin Johnson, um, Sergio, they have resigned from the PGA already. So they, they're they not suspended. And I know even Sergio said, whatever they rule, they can't do anything to me. It doesn't apply to me because I resigned. So he fully plans to stick with the Live Tour. Um, Players have lost sponsorships. I talked about that last week, I believe. Phil Mickelson reportedly getting $200 million to play and also refused to answer some questions yesterday in regards to the PGA Tour. It was actually interesting because Phil, we weren't sure if he was going to play in this. He hasn't been playing in any events since like late January and all the comments he made in February really... Uh, jump-started or kick-started this whole thing. So Phil finally surfaced this week, was going to play, boom, he's playing, and he was asked some really tough questions about the human rights stuff and yada, 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 and everybody's ripping into these guys, not just Phil, because they're all claiming that they're not doing it for the money and blah, 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 but let's be real. They're doing it for the money, and that's totally fine. I have no issue with this, but here is what Phil said um, when he was asked about uh, the PGA Tour and is he going to co- ever play again? And here's what he said.
2: Phil, uh, can you tell me if you are serving a ban or have served a served I'm sorry, a, say again. Can you tell me if you've served a band or are serving a band with the PGA Tour? I, I um, choose not to speak publicly on PGA Tour issues at this time. Can you see if you're going to play in next week's U.S. Open? I will play next week's U.S. Open. I'm looking forward to it.
0: All right. So something to dissect there. Phil is playing in next week's U.S. Open because U.S. Open is next week. Here's what I read about that today. Um, the USGA announced on Tuesday that they will allow live golf participants to play in the US Open. This is going to start a for lack of a better term shitstorm. Um for sure I can see there being a lot of blowback, a lot of pushback from human rights activists. There's going to be protesters there. There's there better be extra security cuz something might go down. And here's the thing it's a smart move on the USGA's part because nobody wants to watch this without Phil, without Dustin. A lot of these guys are top tier names now. Bryson DeChambeau and, and um, Patrick Reed are are joining this as well as I'm hearing the name Ricky Fowler is going to join the Live Golf as well. Which, quite frankly, it's a the smartest move ever if you're Ricky Fowler because he has just he has basically lost it on the PGA Tour. He has not been relevant. I don't know what's going on. He needs a reset, and hopefully this will help him get there. But let's face it, he's getting paid $200 million. His lifetime earnings, I saw this earlier too, lifetime earnings on the PGA Tour. Phil is like 51, 52 years old now. So he's been playing since he's in his, say, mid-20s, right? That's like 30 years. Lifetime earnings, not sponsorships, none of that. Lifetime earnings is... 95 million. Dustin Johnson, very accomplished two-time major winner. Another guy, $75 million in lifetime earnings. And Dustin Johnson, I think it's like 37, 38, approaching 40. And those are two of the highest earners ever on the PGA Tour. Of course, Tiger number one by a mile. And they're getting paid. Phil, 200 million. And DJ is getting paid 125 million. Uh, Quite frankly, DJ's getting screwed in this whole thing, only getting one hundred twenty five million. And rumor has it they offered uh, Jack Nicholas one hundred million to basically do what what uh, uh, what's his name's Greg Norman is doing to just kind of like put this thing together, be like the face of it or whatever. The ambassador, if you will. And Tiger Woods, I'm hearing, was offered one billion dollars. He turned it down, of course Um, because some guys are just sticking with the PGA, and they don't believe in that, and really, Tiger doesn't need the money, of course, at all. But it's very, very interesting. Uh, Here's some of the guys, I have it here in my notes, that actually did resign. So you have DJ Sergio, Louis Oustazen, Charles uh, Schwartzel, who's actually winning this whole thing, and Brandon Grace. Those are the guys that I know for sure have resigned from the PGA. So 17 of the guys that they're saying they suspended... Are not those guys. And Phil even said that um he is not willing to give up his membership for the PGA tour. It's a lifetime membership. He said he worked really hard for it, and that's that. So we'll see, you know, who blinks first here, really. Um, but you're giving these guys a whole hell of a lot of money. I would take the money too. I mean, what's the big deal? And here's the thing: well, uh, you know, sport washing and All the human rights violations and everything, that's all well and good. Yes, they do do these things. They they killed Jamal Khashoggi, the, uh, you know, the Washington Post reporter or, you know, whatever the reporter, the guy, they brutally killed him and then what, stuffed him in like a drum or something and covered it up and nothing was done about it and they kill gay people and, and... they they suppress women. They have no rights there. Great. Who's to say Phil Mickelson isn't taking his two hundred million and using it for good or donating it to charities for for LGBTQIA plus whatever you know and, and and helping women's you know rights and women's activists and all this good stuff that they could be doing with the money. You can take evil money and you could do good with it. I mean, I'm sure he's paying back a lot of his gambling debts, too. But and the better part about this is it's seven events. The first iteration of this or the first go of this, they booked seven events. Seven times three, 21 days, give or take a few days for travel and practice and all that. So let's say about a month, about a month's worth of actually working. They're getting paid hundreds of million dollars. It's unprecedented. It is unprecedented. And it's it it's all well and good for a guy like Rory McIlroy to sit there on his high horse and say, you know, uh, those guys can do what they want and that's fine. But if it were me, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, Rory, because you're making already hundreds of millions of dollars with your sponsorships and, and you have a job in which you're making millions of dollars and you're very accomplished at it. So you can say that. But for, but for someone like me, Sign me up, because guess what, guys? Last place in any of these tournaments for Live Golf. Last place, just for showing up. $120,000. I'll sign on the, re, the dotted line right now. I'll shoot $100,000. Book me. Come on. That means anybody's guaranteed to finish better than me and get more than 120000 But here was Rory's comments. Take a listen. Let me know if you agree or disagree.
2: I think I think my stance on it has been pretty clear from the start. It's um, it's not something that I want to uh, participate in. Um, I certainly understand the guys that have went. I understand what their um, their goals and their ambitions are in their life, and you know I'm not you know, certainly not knocking anyone for going. It's, it's their life, it's their decision. They can live it the way they want to. Um, but for me, you know, I, I want to play on the PJ Tour against the best players in the world. And, um, you know, I think for me, I, you know, I was speaking to a few people yesterday, and, and one of the comments was anything, any decision that you make in your life that's purely for money usually doesn't end up going the right way obviously money is a deciding factor in a lot of things in this world but if it's purely for money it's not um never seems to you know it never seems to go the way you want it to
0: some strong words there from rory he's not knocking anybody but he clearly is knocking them and one final point i'll make on this everybody's saying oh well just stop lying and just say that you're doing it for the money let's be real If these guys, if Phil came out and said, look, I've got gambling debts, you guys know about this, I needed the money, so I took it. These guys will lose their minds. The reporters, the fans, everybody's going to lose their minds and say, Oh my God! Can you believe this? This guy's a sellout. He's just doing it for the money. So it's a lose lose. But really, it's not a lose lose. It's a win. It's a win for these guys making hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm intrigued by it. And I I'm all here for it because the more golf, the better. It helps bring the sport to the masses. And they're having the uh, an event July 29th to the 31st here at Trump's golf course in Bedminster, New Jersey, not too far from me. And it's going to be the third, I believe, live golf tournament. And you could get ground passes for like seventy five dollars, and I'm interested. I I think I would go. I would probably go and watch this because there's going to be some big names. There's not as many people in the tournament. It's a th- it's a three day event, not four. It's only fifty four holes. There's a shotgun start, so guys shooting off at all all at the same time on different holes. It's crazy, and. It, it you know it could be just as crowded as a normal tournament, but there's less guys, so I think th- it's going to be more fun to be at. And I think this is something that I I, I would enjoy. A- and you know I'm going to pay attention to it as I am now. Uh, like I said, uh, Schwartzel is actually winning. I think he came into this like 160th in the golf in the world rankings. I mean he's not a schlub by any means. I believe he did win a, a he has a um a major win either I, I want to say a Masters or a U.S. Open. Um, and he's winning by three strokes, uh, over Henny Duplessis. I don't even know who that is. Probably not even pronouncing that right. Uh, probably not American. Um, some notable names, Dustin Johnson's at one under. I really wanted to, uh, to bet DJ. Of course I go on the apps and uh, they're not, they're not taking bets on it. Um, Phil Mickelson, for those wondering, Uh, is plus four, tied for 26, so he's done. He has no chance to win, but again, his first event in months and months. Other names, Brandon Grace is um, even, tied for ninth. Louis Oosthuizen, my man Louis, is tied for 12th with Sergio. Those guys are at plus one. Uh, Ian Poulter, plus one. I'm not going to go through the whole list. And then the next event, you will get the guys that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Bryson will join for the next event. Um... Patrick Reed, those were, those two were confirmed. I'm not a hundred percent on Ricky Fowler. I haven't officially seen anything on that, um, but it did. I did uh, happen to run across that. I believe it was on Twitter. So yeah, live golf, it, you know, it's here and it's not going away anytime soon. So balls in your court, PGA. Okay. Let's get into the NFL. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. So more information came out, this scathing New York times piece, whatever um, New York, Times is reporting that Deshaun Watson booked appointments with 66 different women over a 17-month period, which is far and above more than he acknowledged. And it gets better. The Texans were also added to the suit for their involvement because allegedly they were helping Watson arrange these massages. They were like organizing it so he could bring them to the team facility or hotels, whatever. They were scheduling this up. And they were actually, there was like security there making these women sign NDAs. Unbelievable. The Texans were actually complicit and helped to cover this whole thing up. It's unbelievable. If you are a grade A athlete, Superstardom status, which Deshaun Watson was in Houston. They will sweep anything under the rug. If you have money, if you have power, if you have celebrity, they can make, you can make just about anything go away. And the Texans didn't want to lose Deshaun Watson. So they were literally covering this up. This is wild. Uh, I really the the Browns, man, they look like absolute buffoons for not only trading for Watson, that's that that's a separate incident on its own. They traded for him, which is disgraceful. But not only that, they then paid him an historic two hundred and thirty million dollars in guaranteed money. it's baffling, 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 and you know they're gonna say they did, they you know they did their own in, uh, investigation and blah 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 blah. They were thorough with it, but let's be real. They had a guy in Baker Mayfield that didn't want to come back. Doesn't want to come back. He hasn't shown up to. OTAs or anything or minicamp. He wants out. They're still holding on to him. My guess is after all this new stuff has come out and they added a 24th woman to to the civil suit, my guess is Watson is suspended at least one full season. This will leave the Browns with zero options and no one to blame but themselves. And I really hope for their case, for their sake, that they had a buyout clause or they had some sort of out in this contract and they don't have to get stuck paying him all this money because wow 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 does that look bad but hey it's the browns and this is huh, this is so like them to to uh screw the pooch if you will on something like this just it, it's despicable i don't even want to talk about this whole thing and 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 give you know give him a voice and, and what's going on this dude has a serious problem he's a serial like He's not a rapist, but he's a, a serial sexual assaulter. I, I I mean, I don't understand it. He literally is getting a massage and he just rolls over and whoops it out, it out, you know, takes the towel off and start and, and tries to get them to touch him and fondle him and, and like perform sexual acts. It's like, dude, go to a strip club or just buy a hooker like you you're telling me you have all this money but you can't buy a hooker you're trying to get it from a massage therapist who's trying to to do her job and you're taking advantage of somebody who's trying to build her clientele list um because this is what these these women do if they If they can say, like, look, I I am a therapist, I'm a massage therapist now for a starting quarterback on the Houston Texans, the starting quarterback on the Houston Texans, one of the most popular players in the league that can lead to to greater success and and more opportunity. And then she goes from Deshaun Jackson. Then he says, oh, man, look, tells his teammates. She's so great. She's so great. Then during the season, these other players are wanting her and she's booking appointments and she's getting paid. But, you know, bank, this is how it works. So they take these appointments because they're like, holy crap, this is the biggest client I've ever gotten. And he was going on Instagram to find them and probably looking for women that fit a type that he liked. And, and it's just, it skeeves me, out, skeeves me out. The whole thing is creepy. And he's a creep. He's a He's a creepy creeper. That's all I have to say about it. And end of story. Okay. So the Denver Broncos were just sold for a record price. They were per- officially purchased by Rob Walton, an heir to the Walmart fortune, for a reported $4.65 billion. Oh my God. Walton's group won out. So once the sale goes through, the Broncos will have new ownership for the first time since 1984. The new- th- This sale price of 4 dollars uh, Six, five billion dollars is the most ever that a franchise, any sports franchise has been purchased for. I believe it was Chelsea. um, That was second with like a three billion dollar price tag. I know the Mets were purchased by Steve Uncle Steve Cohen in 2020 for a little over two billion dollars. Um, It's just it's unbelievable. Every time a team gets bought now, they become more and more expensive. And it's just ridiculous. Um, Yeah, uh, I was trying to see. I know it was Chelsea and then it was the Mets that were second and third for sale prices but just ridiculous. The most valuable franchises in the NFL now, the Broncos are valued at $4.65 billion because that's what they were just bought for. That puts them fifth behind the Cowboys, Patriots, Giants, and Rams. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. And, of course, you know, they've revamped the team. They've got Russell Wilson now, and this team is poised to make a run at at the playoffs this year. So we'll see. All right, let's move on. NBA Finals. Here we go. I don't really have any audio from this. Um, I just want to make one quick point. Mike Breen made his return to the NBA Finals. He was out two weeks with COVID, so he made his... um his date not debut but he made his return his 17th year doing the NBA finals he has done more NBA finals games than anyone ever he did have a signature um call in uh in this game 3 and he will be back at it again tonight so i could pull that up it was a corner 3 by marcus smart i believe um let's see uh well, whatever. Either way, you know what it is. Bang! And I listened to a podcast this morning or just before with Mike Breen talking about coming back and the whole um, coronation of the bang and where that came from when he was at Fordham as a college student. And he actually, I didn't know this, he tries to save the bangs for like late in the game for like key moments. And he that that's that's really where it's come from. And he said when he first started it, like doing student games at Fordham, it didn't sound great. He didn't really think he liked it. Um, But then he, you know, over time as he did bigger games and bigger crowds, it started to really grow and it's become, you know, the singular word that everybody knows in in terms of basketball. It is that bang call on a big, big shot. So I learned something new every day. Um, But back to the series, um, So the series shifted back to Boston, of course, tied at one apiece. I was very intrigued to see what the crowd and change of scenery would bring just because I've seen it already with Boston throughout the whole Eastern Conference. I saw it especially up close because I watched every single minute of every single game in the Brooklyn series when my Brooklyn Nets got swept. And that series obviously changed after game one when they gave up the, the buzzer beater to to uh, Jason Tatum. I fully believe that the Nets won that opening game, then it shifts the entire series and they could win that game. But ever since the Nets got swept, I said the Boston Celtics are legit and they are going to win an NBA championship. And now I'm here watching them in the finals and I'm friggin' rooting for the Warriors, of course. So anyway, shifts back to Boston. We know how Boston fans can be, and it immediately had an impact. You could see it from the jump. The fans were into it. They had a big advantage and they blitz the warriors from the tip they uh, Jalen Brown was on fire he's your early run you know he he's in the lead right now uh for mvp of the finals should they win it um he's ahead of Tatum for sure he's outscored him uh, I believe in every single game of this series so far. I think he had twenty seven in this one and Tatum had twenty six. But Brown went off for seventeen points in the first quarter, and the Celtics were up by twelve. so they they were dominating that first quarter. Um, they were up twelve at the half. And it just felt like, mm, they've been they've been just blitzing the Warriors, and yet they're only up twelve. It just doesn't seem right. And it seems like the Warriors with a little run here, they're right back in it. Well, to their credit, the Warriors came out firing in the third quarter, namely one Stephen Curry knocking down, I think it was four threes immediately in that third. And they actually retook the lead, albeit it was for a very brief moment. I didn't get to watch much of this second half because um, I was extremely tired and I had to go to bed and it was already past like 11. So I went to bed. I had a minor bet on this game. I don't know if you guys know, but I've just been abysmally bad this year with my betting. And it's also because I haven't been consistent, really paying attention, just doing dumb bets here and there. So there was a promo for Steph and Jason Tatum to both score 25+. Uh, plus. For some reason, the promo was only letting me bet $10. That was the max I was allowed to bet. Uh, I had friends that got a max of 50, so I got screwed there. So I bet the 10, and then I just was like, you know what? Let me throw another 10 on it at regular odds. So um went to bed. To my surprise, Tatum, who had like 14 points only um, at like half or en- like in the third quarter, ended up with 26 before they took him out. And They took them out because the fourth quarter after the Warriors outscored them and came all the way back, much much like in game one where the Warriors were winning the whole game and then the fourth quarter rolled around and they got blown out 40 to 16. Well, the Warriors disappeared again in game three in the fourth quarter being outscored 23 to 11. So that's two games out of three where the Warriors have scored less than 20 points in the fourth quarter. Of course you're going to lose. And they la- they ended up losing 116 to 100 and the Celtics covered a three and a half point spread. They actually have a four point uh, spread going into tonight's game and I'm Seriously tempted to bet on the Warriors at plus money. The Warriors actually right now, very good odds at plus 200 to win the NBA championship. I was tempted to put money on them as well. So if you're listening to this, um, I highly suggest taking a flyer on it because, listen, it's the Warriors. Um, I know. So here's the big issue. Steph got rolled up on, tweaked his ankle, whatever, in a collision with Al Horford. I did not see the play. It obviously happened late in the game um, the other night. But here's the thing. Steph said he's fine. He's going to play. Nobody's questioning his play. Nobody's questioning Steph Curry on the court. He's a menace. He's a savage. He's a freaking gamer. He's the best shooter that has ever lived, point blank, period. I will go to my grave saying that until the next Steph Curry 2.0 shows up on the court. But I don't see anybody doing that anytime soon. He goes for 31 in this game and so far through 3 games in this series he's averaging 31.3 points a game guys that need to step up are Draymond freaking Green and Klay Thompson that's the that's the trio uh, that's been there you know forever Uh, they, they, They started this whole thing back when they started winning championships, and my goodness, Draymond, what a dirty, dirty son of a gun this guy is. If he's on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you absolutely hate him, and I hate him. The, the Draymond Green that's on TNT and that, you know, he's intelligent. Don't get me wrong. And he talks, he's a smooth talker and he he's a good personality to put on a podcast and to put on TNT and all that good stuff. But in the game, this guy is dirty. He's a savage. He will do anything to win except learn how to score the basketball. I bitched about him the last time when he was like one for 12 after game one. Can't be shooting more than guys like Jordan Poole and whatnot. Um, they were making fun of him on social media before that he has more podcast episodes than he does points. He he's just been so abysmally bad, um, and, and I don't under I quite frankly don't don't really understand like how he's gotten so bad. He used to be an, a rebounder and an assist guy and could at least score like ten or so points. But my goodness, he's become so bad that he he he's a detriment to this team, um, like. His defense is good, you know. They're allowing. No, his defense is not good per stat muse, actually. Uh, This is why he's been a problem on the court. They're allowing one. uh, Excuse me. The Warriors with Draymond Green. On the court. Or excuse me, on the bench. When Draymond Green is on the bench, the Warriors are allowing 8.5 fewer points per 100 possessions. And I'll tell you what, I think it's because when Draymond is on the court, he's so jacked up and riled up that he's just looking to get under someone's skin. And he's not even like thinking about basketball or trying to play basketball. He's literally just trying to, you know, he's got guys on his hit list and he's going after them. And it's crazy, 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 you know, and, and, you know, he has two blocks in the finals. And StatMuse is saying he has more podcast episodes three than he does blocks in the final. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Like, where has he disappeared to? His numbers from game three. Let me pull those up because it's it's probably quite quite disturbing. Um, his numbers from game three. Right, this was on Wednesday. Draymond Green. Here we go. This is going to be funny. Okay, thirty-five minutes. So Wiggins played forty minutes. Steph played thirty seven, and Thompson played thirty nine. Those are the three guys that played more minutes than him. So we played the fourth most minutes. One of four, okay, good. he He didn't shoot a lot this game very good. Oh, for two from three. Why is he taking two, threes? because they're leaving him wide open, but he shouldn't be taking threes. Four rebounds, three assists two points, and he fouled out. This is at least the second game he's fouled out. This is, my, this is my point. He's the guy, he's like the goon in hockey that you just stick out there to go fight somebody. He's making dirty plays. He's going to Jalen Brown. He's going at Tatum on the free throw line, trying to grab him around the neck and throw him out the way. Uh, you know, this is 2016 all over again when he swiped at LeBron's groin and got suspended for game five and the rest is history. Draymond Green needs to chill out. Steve Kerr needs to get him in check. And I know Steve Kerr's not going to do that because he's a Zen kind of guy. But somebody get this man in check because you're going to lose a finals if you don't check this man. Steph needs to take him aside and tell him to shut the bleep up and and figure his out and and get it together. Because my goodness, it it, it is a sight for sore eyes. Like, I do literally, like, my eyes are hurting watching this man and the, and his antics and the constant screaming and yelling. And I'm just waiting for him to, to get, to get ejected. He's been teed up a a couple of times already in this finals. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. It it really is. And I'm over it. The rest of the world is over it and let's move on. So like I said, tonight's game is like nine o'clock or something like that. And it is going to be, uh, warriors are four point underdogs as let, You know, the last time I saw this, the Warriors were four-point underdogs. And I kind of like that. The series has gone back and forth. You know, you win one, you lose one. Um, And that's pretty much the way it's gone. If you guys give me a second, I just want to plug my laptop into the charger real quick. Hold on. All right, this is the beauty of doing a live podcast without a lot of editing. All right, let's move on. Okay. Uh let's get back to the NFL real quick. Cooper Cup and the Rams um have a deal in place. They locked him up with an extension. They recently locked Aaron Donald down to a ninety-five million dollar extension, making him the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. And now Cup has been inked to a three-year extension. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Worth one hundred and ten million dollars over five years. Seventy five mil of it guaranteed. I mean, that's a steal for the Rams. Just twenty eight years old. Cup was easily the best wide receiver in all of football last year. And he's making all of us white boys proud. Yeah. Go Cooper Cup. Defying the odds, baby. All right. Let's talk a little NHL. I have not watched really a lick uh of the playoffs. Here and there, I, I, I'm i paying attention, though, for the first time, like ever, really paying attention, and I'm listening to them talk on the radio this morning and talk about icing and, you know, checking and, and all the different types of penalties, and I don't even really know much of what they're talking about, um, but it's still fun, so no need to talk about Colorado sweeping Edmonton. I mean, they just blitzed them, ran right through them. They're a serious contender, although everybody seems to say that they're not... They're still not as good as these teams in the East because of their goaltending. I think they're down to like their second and third string goalies. Um, So we'll see there's, but they're resting. They're awaiting an opponent. And that leaves us with the East between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay lightning. The two time defending champion, Tampa Bay lightning. Can the Rangers do what nobody has been able to do for the last 10 playoff series or ridiculous. They've won two in a row. So, Early on, the Rangers looked extremely impressive. I lost fifty bucks on Game One. I took the Lightning as underdogs. Uh, No, they were favored to win Game One, I believe, in on the road at MSG. Shows how much, uh, you know, they had how much faith they had in the Rangers there, the books. But I took the Lightning, not the money line. I took the Lightning. The puck line. I took them to win by two. <laughs> win by two. They lost six to two. It was just, you know, I talked about that. So anyway, game two, same thing. Rangers win again. So now they have a 2-0 lead in this series. They're two games away from winning this Eastern Conference Finals and going to the Stanley Cup. Well, game three. This is the game that changed the entire series. Game three, Rangers are up two to nothing. What happens? They blow it and they lose what three to two in the final minutes of the game or final minute or so. Oh, it was back breaking, bone crushing. So close to getting you get up 3-0, series over. Nobody's coming back from that. Uh nobody ever does. But hey, you you still got the advantage going into game five yesterday. I see the Rangers up one-nothing. I had bet on the Yankees. Of course, again, I took the minus one and a half, so Yankees had to win by two. That was a, sh- a disaster for three three plus innings until it wasn't. But I briefly checked that the Rangers were up one nothing. I'm like, oh boy. And I, w- I went into DraftKings to possibly bet the Lightning and then boom, they were tied one one and the odds weren't that great. And I said, damn, if I could have got them at plus money, I would have thrown some money on them. And wow, I should have. Because they were tied one one And with two minutes to go in the third period, in the final period, Tampa Bay scores two goals to take game five, three to one in the garden. They won at MSG, something they hadn't been able to do thus far in the series. And now they have a commanding three games to two lead, having won three straight after being down two games to none. Game six will be in Tampa Bay tomorrow where they can close it out. And guess what? The Rangers, they better pick it up because they've been in this situation not once but twice now in the playoffs, down three to two, I believe, in both of the first two series. And they went on the road and they won, and then they they won in Game Seven. So, but this isn't um this isn't who'd they play in the first round? It was either Boston or Pittsburgh. And then they played uh, uh of course in the uh, second round. Wow, I'm drawing a total blank. I know this, um. Who did the Rangers play in the second round? They went, they oh, the, the Hurricanes, Carolina. God, I drew a to- total blank. That was the one seed, Carolina. They went on the road and they won game seven. I was completely shocked when they won six to two. So they've done it twice now. But this is the two-time defending champion, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. And this is not the same as those other two teams. They know how to close series out, unlike those teams. So I don't give... I don't give the Rangers much of, a, much of a chance. Even if they win game six, I don't believe, that they, which would be crazy, but I don't think that they're going to be able to win a game seven. I just don't. Um, but it's going to be fun, and I'm going to keep an eye on it tomorrow. We'll see what happens. All right, we're almost here at the end of this thing, but uh, I want to talk real quick about something that I saw yesterday. Tony La Russa, manager of the White Sox, they've had a really – uh. Not a strong year. They're supposed to be a contender again this year, and they've not lived up to that hype so far. So Tony La Russa, this was all over social media. They're playing like an afternoon game against the Dodgers, and Tony La Russa walked Trey Turner intentionally. Uh, he wanted to set up the lefty-lefty matchup with Muncy, who was on deck. All well and good, right? Well, wrong, because he walked Trey Turner with a one-two count. He had two strikes on Trey Turner. And he said, nope, let's walk him. All right. To give a little backstory, this isn't as bad as it sounded. And guys on the radio were misinformed and they weren't telling the whole truth. The It was 0-2. There was a pass ball or a wild pitch that allowed the runner to go from first to second. So now Tony's like, all right, we have the base open at first. We can walk him. But here's the thing. You could have just walked him Well, no, they didn't want to put a a runner in scoring position. Whatever. Okay. The other thing is, like, why are you going to walk Trey? Trey Turner isn't freaking, you know, Albert Pujols in his prime. He's not freaking Aaron Judge or John Carlos Stanton or Mike Trout that's going to you know, that you're like, are you afraid to throw to Trey Turner? No. And this is the problem with baseball. Because... All they're looking at is the matchups. Oh, the lefty lefty. Do you know it? You know his numbers against lefties. That's what Larusa w- was w- was yelling. But here's where it gets interesting because the play-by-play guys couldn't believe you know what was going on. First, take a listen to this, and then I'll give you Tony's explanation.
2: Now, wait a second. They're gonna they're intentionally gonna, walk him on one and two. Yep. Can you explain that to me? I would think you don't want Turner to do any more damage and you want to take advantage of the lefty-lefty. Typically, at two strikes, the league batting average is quite low. Oh, yeah. It is that. When was the last time you saw somebody intentionally walk on one and two? didn't happen
1: often.
0: I love that part. If you can hear it, I'll boost it in post as well so you can hear that clearly. There's a fan yelling, come on, Tony, he's got two strikes, Tony. It's just classic, because this guy is being picked up by the uh either the umpire's mic or whoever, and you could clear hear it so clearly. So, yeah, the announcers couldn't believe it, and I'm curious, too. When was the last time somebody was walked with a one-two count? And so here's Tony's explanation. He wasn't having it, um, and, you know... Why wasn't he having it? Because Muncy came up and hit a three-run homer, and they ended up losing the game by two runs.
2: Can you explain the, uh, the thought process on the intentional walk with um,
1: with to, to Turner? Turner at
2: one two on
1: the count. So, so let me ask you a question: okay. is there is there some question about whether that was a, a good move or not?
2: At, well, I guess at one two is the question. At the count.
1: Do you one, know what he two. hits against left hand pitching with one oh one or two strikes? You know what he hits. Well, you know what Muncie hits with two strikes with against a left hand pitcher? I mean, is that really a question? Yeah. Because it was one and two? Turner was a, a strike left against a left hander. It's not something you can avoid if you can. And we had an open base and Muncie happened to be the guy behind him, and that's a better matchup. Again, somebody disagrees, that's that's the beauty of this game. Welcome to it. But that that wasn't a tough call.
2: To though, not to huh? right
1: was there a reason to not do it right away and wait till 1 2? Well, that's when, they, that's when the, the pitch got away.
0: So, yeah, that explains his answer there. He waited till 1 2 because of the wild pitch and he moved up to second. Um, it was Freddie Freeman. Even Freddie was perplexed on second, like they're going to walk him. I- I'm still calling BS. It's 1 2. Um, I think they already had the lead at that point because the home run it was a three-run shot so it made it 10-5 so they you know they were winning 7-5 so I don't know why you're already losing the game why walk Trey Turner it makes no sense at all he he's not a scary player like to pitch to like that he's going to jack one he's a great player he's having a great season he had a uh over 20 game hit streak going I haven't heard if that's been um if th- that's been uh end it or not, but I, I, you know, listen, this is why analytics is getting away from the game is taking away from the game and it's making the game ridiculous because Tony La is an old school manager. Like, what are you doing now? All of a sudden you're playing this new school game where, where you're being told like, Oh, Tony, it's one, two, we should walk him because Muncie's hitting a, you know, bucko, not, you know, one Oh two, against lefties. So, so we have a better chance, and, and and Turner's only hitting 220 with two strikes. So so look, man, we, we should walk him here. It, it's ridiculous, man. Just play the game. You have two strikes on a guy. Go get him. This is Major League Baseball. If you can't get a guy out with two strikes, then you're doing something wrong. And if he gets a hit, so be it. Now you're pitching a Muncie anyway. But come on, I, I, I'm not buying it. All right, let's talk uh, Women's College World Series. Last night, Oklahoma rolled to their second straight national championship. It's just not fair. This is like Alabama football. It's like New England Patriot football. It's like UCLA winning, you know, championship after championship back in the heyday uh, with Bill Walton. Those guys I, I just ridiculous. Um, My God, Wednesday, Texas taking on Oklahoma, of course, Texas becoming the first unranked team to make it to the College World Series final matchup between two big 12 teams. And everybody thought, well, oh, maybe Texas has a chance here because Texas was one of those, I think, two or three teams um, that uh, or one of the teams that beat Oklahoma in the regular season, gave them one of their two or three losses. And Well, game one, it was like 16-1 to final, an absolute thrashing. They scored five in the first. uh, You know, Jocelyn Allo hit like two home runs. I just don't understand why these teams continue to throw to her. And I saw them say earlier in the the game, in the broadcast, like Holly Rowe did a little report on it. Earlier in the season, teams weren't throwing to her. Well, something changed because all of a sudden, she starts hitting home run after home run. And, you know... hits the most home runs in the history of women's softball. And I do have a gripe to pick because um, softballs is already ridiculously hard at this level. You got girls throwing upper 60s to 70s. Although I remember in years past, these girls used to be humming it well into the 70s. And now you're only seeing like 68, 69. Like nobody's really pushing 70, which is a little bit shocking to me. But the fences, this girl's hitting... Hundreds of home runs, like 120 home runs or whatever the hell she hit, 121. Because the fences are 200 feet, 200 feet. I coach Juco softball, which isn't even close to this level of competition. Every girl on Oklahoma is like 5'10". My girls are, we're lucky if our tallest girls like 5'6". And we play on a 225 foot fence. So the fact that they're playing in band boxes at the College World Series, it really is aggravating and it needs to change. They're never going to do it because, oh, it makes the game so exciting and it's growing the game. But it's it's totally unfair. It really is. But listen, if I was coaching, I would take advantage. I'd be trying to put the ball in play and do it, you know, put the ball on the ground and hit line drives, not try to jack home runs because you saw in last night's game Texas took an early two nothing lead, but they were popping a ball up and they were getting just under the ball where they weren't hit. You know, if they hit a couple line drives, they would have been into the stands for home runs. Instead, they were popping it up. And that's when the center fielder and the right fielder were able to one rob a home run and then catch two balls at the fence because they were just getting under it a little bit. But it's ridiculous that they're playing on 200 foot fences. If I was coaching a team like this, I would never lose a game. It's unbelievable how good these these girls, how strong these kids are, that they could hit home runs like this on 200-foot fences. Nothing. It's what boys play in on little in little league. Boys. I mean, come on. They're playing on a little league field meant for boy, meant for little children. It's ridiculous. We've got to do something about this. The NFCA has to. The NCAA as well, they have to look into moving these fences back. It, it, it's absurd. It's absurd. It, it, it really is. But either way, um, best of three series. Oklahoma gets it done last night, winning 10-5. to um, I know Jocelyn Allo um, finishes up her career, but Oklahoma will be right back there next year again. I'm sure they have an unfair advantage with it being played in Oklahoma City as well. Um but I, I saw Trey Turner. Trey Turner, excuse me. I saw Trey Young, who's a, a Sooner grad, um, was who or who played for Oklahoma, uh, was at the game, which I thought was interesting because he was there during the NBA Finals. He chose to go there instead of be somewhere where he could watch the NBA Finals or actually be there. So I thought that was cool, repping his team. Um, it, it's just incredible. Yeah, Allo finished with a career. 121 home runs, the most ever. Um, This might have been the best single season by any college softball team ever, the best single team ever uh, to win a national championship. Uh, Skip Bayless tweeting that Aloe was the most dominating college athlete he's ever seen since Kareem. I like I'm sorry, I'm calling BS. There's no way Skip Alice was watching her play all season long or for her entire career. He's just watching the College World Series like anybody. And I'm calling poo-poo on that because anybody that just hits and cannot play the field, I'm not calling them the greatest player to ever do it. It's not happening. She's obviously not good enough to play the field. So, great, she can hit the ball. But you better damn well, be, for, be, you know, if I was if I was pitching to her or, you know, if I was coaching against her, she wouldn't get a single pitch to hit. I'd walk her every time. I, you know, I would make her uncomfortable. I'd throw up and in. I'd throw, you know, maybe throw behind her, make her uncomfortable. And then I would bust everything high and away, low and away, try to get her to chase. And if she spits on it, then great. She's taking first base, but she ain't beating me. And that's what they didn't do all year long, all College World Series long. These teams kept throwing her pitches right belt high, you know, thigh high and she right in her wheelhouse inside. She's like she reminds me of Kevin Millar bails out, opens the hips early. She's looking for the ball inside, cheating in. You got to throw her outside. And yes, she's strong enough to go the other way because it's a 200 foot fence. But I take my chances on her hitting the ball oppo taco, then freaking, uh, you know, crushing one 250 to left and out of the stadium. But anyway, congrats to Oklahoma um, for another great, great season. And, uh, you know, they just continue to dominate. So, yeah, uh, that was on the women's side. And like I said, on the baseball side of things, that's still going on. Um, East Carolina beat Texas earlier today. So, uh, you know, a lot of games going on. It's too many to keep track right now. But you, you know it if you're, if you're a college baseball fan. Um, so keep an eye out for that. All right, we had an interesting signing by Notre Dame. Five-star quarterback CJ Carr is headed to Notre Dame. This is a bit of an odd choice. I I guess he's pulling the old... uh, I guess he's, you know, hey... He's trying to, for you know, carve a name for himself and try to do something differently. But if you're wondering what I'm talking about, well, CJ Carr is the grandson of Michigan legend and head coach Lloyd Carr. So it begs the question, why didn't he go to Michigan, especially since Carr's father, Jason, played for Michigan as well, as did his grandfather on his mother's side. Yikes. Not a good day for Michigan football. That is a shocking one. All right. And lastly, as we're well over an hour into this show, shockingly, I didn't think we'd be here this long, but had a lot to talk about on this date in sports, June 10th, 1997, Jim Edmonds makes one of the greatest catches of all time as he dives full out on a ball hit directly over his head. Take a listen. Uh, this will be it. So I will send you guys off with this audio of Jim Edmonds making one of the greatest catches of all time. Uh, once again, this is the Pody. You've been listening to episode 172. So long. I'll see everybody next week.
1: Next time he faced Matt, there's a fly ball center field, long run for Jim Edmonds. Jerry, that may be the best catch I have ever seen. And the Royals fans appreciated Steve, as much as we do, and all the Angel fans who are watching. Edmonds play in because Howard does have a great deal of power. Look how many steps he has <laughs> to make before he's able to die for that ball and pull it in. What a play by Jim Edmonds. He is absolutely phenomenal in center field.